Hey, Stephanie. Hi, Don. How are you? Good, good, good. We're back on our Legal Beagle Network, looking to do a case review. Yeah. Marriage of Thompson. Yes. Okay, well, before we do that, uh, I'm glad that we're recording this conversation for future reference, uh, unlike in court these days. Apparently, <laughs> Uh, the L.A. Superior Court has taken away the court reporters yeah. for family law. Yeah. How do you feel about that? That's kind of scary. It's kind of scary. Um, we really rely on those transcripts for a lot of our, you know, hearings. Let's say hearings continued. We re- rely on the transcript to continue on that hearing, to refresh the court's recollection, to impeach people. So it's a very important part of our caseload and our casework. Yeah. So the government's not flipping the bill for what many of us think is justice in the American way, right? right? Making a good record. It doesn't mean that you can't have a court reporter in the courtroom, uh, but unless you're able to, to pay, pay for those hefty fees of having a reporter in there, yeah. uh, guess what? Yeah, you're going on the judge's memory and <laughs> a minute order that's going to be pretty deficient if you're trying to look back at either what the actual orders were. Right. Sometimes even the judge can't remember what they ordered. Totally. You know, or what was said. If you're trying to impeach somebody, there's no record anymore. Totally, totally. When there's any dispute over a minute order, the first thing we do is order the transcript. So it's a little worrisome. Um, I think as long as people are aware of the opportunity to pay out of pocket for one and that we explain that to others, but it is a little, a little, a little concerning. Yeah, maybe approach the other side and say can we split the costs right you know it's still gonna be expensive but at least half of it you know Uh, think about all the appellate problems that go along without having a record exactly and that's exactly what this case appellate case and that's you know in order to appeal you do need some sort of record of what happened at the trial court level yeah yeah you know i as a trial attorney i was taught to always speak to the record you know, may the record reflect that the witness is holding one hand up and mm. pointing to the sky, or you know, may the record reflect that the witness uh, is uh, looking away, you know, from whatever it is and stuff. I mean, there's a lot of reasons to preserve the record during a trial, and if there's no record, it really takes away from our jurisprudence. I'm wondering if it was. A, I think that they're going to say it was a cost thing. Right? I think so too. You know, I think so too. Um, it seems like cost is a huge issue at this time. Maybe they're still kind of recovering from COVID times, or I, I don't, don't know. I don't know, because during COVID, I don't know what the tax base was. I, during the Great Recession, before your time, uh, when the banks collapsed and everything, they cut a lot of services here. And mm. uh, the courts, some of the courthouses closed. Yeah. You know, uh, some, some of them have been reopened. Uh, they stopped minors counsel, the appointment of yeah. minors or paid paid minors counsel. You you did away with the or they did away with the uh, custody evaluators that were court employees that yeah. were doing that. Fortunately, uh, most of that stuff came back, and it came back pretty quickly. Yeah. I have to tell you, within mm-hmm. maybe two years after they cut the stuff, I would just I hope that the court reporter service comes back. Now, th- what we heard is wasn't about cost; it was about the limited number of court reporters. Mm, right. 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 So it's a, are there enough court reporters? I guess not at this point. There aren't too many in supply. That would be a, a sad commentary because that's a great job. It is. You know? It is. My cousin does that, and it, there's a lot of testing and requirements, and it's it's hard. It's hard she, to become she, one. She actually worked yeah. on the uh, Robert Durst trial. Really? <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Here in L.A. Mm-hmm. Wow, I didn't yeah. know that about your cousin. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's a tough job to learn. I mean, I've seen people try to take those courses and not 
you yeah, know, it's like specialized test. keyboards yeah. and things like that. So, but once you have it, it's a very flexible job and high paying. High paying, yeah. You know, so, anyways, we have a record on this case here. We do, right? Okay, so it's Marriage yeah. of Thompson, and we're talking about jurisdiction. And you know, I don't want to glaze people over with a jurisdiction <laughs> issue, but I think this this is kind of an, a good opportunity for people out there that want to know some of the basics regarding yeah. jurisdiction mm. to cover this case, and you and I could discuss what happened. So. Why don't we set up the facts? Tell sure. me what happened, and then we'll kind of parse it out. Sure. So the parties were actually married, and they lived, and they had children in Massachusetts. Great state of Massachusetts. <laughs> and then at some point, a husband's employer transfers them to California. Okay. So in California, husband— He goes, he goes by himself? He goes by himself. He goes by wife, and the children stay in Massachusetts. Husband moves to California. He's going to the land of sunshine. He's going by himself, okay. ready to party. But he files, <laughs> he files a petition for legal separation against wife mm. in California. Mm. He mails her a proof of service. He mails her the documents and says, hey, honey, can you sign this proof of service? Why, sure I will. She signs okay. it, mails it back. He files it. Okay. Then wife decides, you know what? I'm going to file for divorce in Massachusetts. I'm going to one-up you. Yeah. This isn't a legal separation. This is a divorce in Massachusetts. Let's stop right there. This is a point that isn't necessarily related to jurisdiction, or kind of sort of is. But we know that if she chose, she could have also done the divorce in California by simply checking the box on the uh, on her response. Mm-hmm. She could have filed a response in California and said, I want this to be a divorce rather than legal separation. And it would proceed as a divorce. That so way. she had her, she had multiple choices. Mm-hmm. She could have proceeded with a legal separation in California. She could have said, nah, I think this is a divorce in California, mm-hmm. or I'd rather have the divorce here in, in where I'm living right mm-hmm. now. Okay, yeah. so she chose the latter. She did. Okay. She did. Um, and then husband says, you know what, now I want a divorce. So he amends his petition in California and decides to file for a divorce, dissolution. So at this point, wife personally serves husband in California with her petition for the dissolution. Personal service meaning some process server process came up and server, said, here you go. 18 years and over, not a party to the action. Here you go. Take these papers. Okay. You've personally served. And that's considered proper service. So once he's been served, Massachusetts has jurisdiction over him. You, you went right to the, right to the <laughs> right finish to the line gist. here. We're supposed to build this thing up. Right, right, make okay. it suspenseful. Ignore the last sentence. <laughs> I mean, as hard as it is to make jurisdiction an exciting subject, but so so here's what happens, right? He thinks that he's got jurisdiction. He thinks. Why? Why is that? He thinks because he's living in California and he filed first and he served first. That's his argument. You know, my my petition for dissolution should relate back to my petition for legal separation. I served her immediately. First in time. First in time. First in time service. Right. And why do you think that he was relying on that? Because um, that is one of the, the main rules, right? Whoever serves gets served first is that's usually the case that's going to um, lead, right? If, if we're talking about competing jurisdictions, first to serve yes. is usually the, the key. Yes. It's actually one of the things, as we'll learn in this decision, except in L.A. County. And I thought this would be something that our, our viewers who are interested in this subject should know is if you're litigating here in L.A. County, mm-hmm. it's not first to serve it's first to file. File. Yeah, which is nice. I like that. Yeah. Anyways, but it's still a first in service, you know, if we're talking about competing states. Yeah. And, and in this case, you're saying that uh, he filed first. Mm-hmm. 
He first, served her first. Served first. But what was the problem? The problem was California does not have jurisdiction over wife. Wife lives in Massachusetts. Wife works in Massachusetts. They own a home in Massachusetts. And there's actually even a support order from the Massachusetts courthouse. So wife has zero contacts with California. Okay, so let, let's talk about that. What, are, what kind of jurisdiction is that called? So that's personal jurisdiction. Or in persona. In persona, okay. yes. <laughs> so, so this is a big thing that we learn in law school in our first year, is civil procedure, mm-hmm. and it haunts you for the rest of your career. It does. It really does. <laughs> when I read this case, I cried. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I remember International Shoe, uh, Marriage <laughs> of Calco. Yeah. It's interesting. They're not citing the same cases they there cited aren't. when I started, yeah. except for Malco. They had mm. that one decision in there. But essentially what personal service, or I'm sorry, in personam jurisdiction means it's the minimum contacts. Minimum contacts. What does that mean? Minimum contacts. Where does the person live? Where do they work? Do they have any minimum contacts with the state for the state to acquire any sort of jurisdiction over that person? Yeah. So did they avail themselves of the benefits of living in California? Yeah, right. And that would be something like, you know, did they used to live here? Mm-hmm. Did they have a job here? Did they utilize the uh, government resources? Right. Any Different than if they just came out here to, for a convention or something. Right, like or a vacation. Yeah. The fact that they had been in California, they visited Disneyland, would not confer personal jurisdiction, right? right? it's not really enough, right. Okay. Now, there's another way to get around that, though. Let's say that wife was here in California, and she was uh, at Disneyland. Mm-hmm. And she's walking around the park, and she's happy as all heck, ready to go to the hotel. And husband goes... Gotcha. Gotcha. And, or a processor and serves her. Mm-hmm. So if you're actually served within right. the state, then you could confer personal jurisdiction. Yeah, there's different ways where a non-resident could be conferred personal jurisdiction. Um, that's one of the ways if they're served in that state or if they, um, they're domiciled in that state for a certain period of time when the action is commenced. That was inapplicable here. Or even if the defendant agrees to personal jurisdiction. Okay, fine. Let's consent. Consent, exactly. Um, but there just there just wasn't any, any of that in this case. Okay. So in summary, husband is Johnny on the spot. He files first. Mm-hmm. He serves her by mail mm-hmm. and she signs an acknowledgement of receipt. Yes. Okay. So uh, that's great. What happens if he had personally served her? If he would have personally out of served state. her she's out, out of, of state. state, so he would have been first to serve, but I think the same Analysis outcome would, would have, It doesn't yeah. matter if it was by mail or if it was personal right. service because, again, what, what I thought was a, a telling thing here is uh, proper service does not equate to jurisdiction. Jurisdiction, right, you right. Know what I mean? And we confuse that a lot of times, I think. Yeah, right. So I think that's like the big thing. If there is concurrent states that have jurisdiction of both parties – then that first in time of service would govern. Proper service, too. Proper right? service. Yeah. But in this case, California never had jurisdiction over wife. So technically, wife filed first and served first. And yeah. Isn't that funny? It's one of the first things you learn in law school. You never stop coming across new cases like that. Do you know, was uh, the husband represented by an attorney? Ooh, I don't. But Oh, yes, he was because they did file um, a response to her motion to quash. And it's, it seemed like a lawyer had prepared it. So so the wife, the way that she defeated this thing was by filing a motion to quash. Yeah, so right? she files a motion to quash in California, basically saying this entire case should be dismissed. You guys don't have any power over me. And at the trial level, they agreed. They dismissed husband's case in California. 
So the case in Massachusetts was governing. That's. Mm. I, I'm wondering if there was ever any attempt by the husband to say, wait a minute, she's got the minimum contacts here in California. Because if he did make that argument, mm-hmm. it certainly didn't surface on the at the appellate level. Yeah, I don't I don't see that in here. And he also did not contend that Massachusetts lacked jurisdiction over him. Right. So none of those really panned out. Uh, what he mostly argued was that by her filing the motion to quash in California, that was her appearance in that case. Okay. And that the court would have power over her at that point. Okay. One last thing to talk about. Okay, so when he gets into California, rather than filing for divorce, he initially files for legal separation, mm-hmm. right? a judgment of legal separation. Mm-hmm. And we won't go into it in this podcast what the difference between, although you've handled your fair share of those. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But for a venue to acquire jurisdiction in California, there's a thing that's called overnight jurisdiction. Mm -hmm. That's when you file legal separation because you just have to show, I was here overnight, I was domiciled here overnight versus waiting the three months or six months, Mm -hmm. right? I don't know if that's what happened here, is it why he did that? Hmm. But I thought it was curious that he filed for legal separation while being out here in California. It says that he filed in 2019 and he had been transferred. Hmm. I'm not too sure. Yeah. I have to look I'll, more into that. We'll have to that. give him a call. I know. <laughs> call the attorneys that are handling this thing. I have to call uh, John Richard Thompson to figure <laughs> out. <laughs> okay. Well, that was great. I told you it was going to be pretty short and sweet, but yeah. I, think, I think it was meaningful for our, for our viewers. It is really interesting procedurally, right? Because this kind of comes up a lot when, you know, we file in one courthouse and another attorney files in another courthouse, and now we have two case numbers, and we kind of have to figure out what are we? How are we going to proceed from here? Yeah, and, and I guess a very common question that comes up is, do I have to have been married in California right. in order for a California right. court to uh, dissolve my marriage? And the answer is? No, because in this case, the parties were married in Rhode Island, and although it did not work out in California, it's for a different reason. Yeah, so what we know is is that the jurisdiction has to deal with the people being in California or connected to California. You could be married in uh Transylvania. Yeah. You know, so long as California has jurisdiction of both parties, it doesn't matter. So you don't need to bring in uh, necessarily a marriage certificate yeah. that, you know, That's you were married really in California. Yeah. Most of our clients are out of the country, out of the state. You know, we don't need to be married in California to. Conversely, if you're married in California, you can get divorced elsewhere, right? <laughs> Please do. No. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much. And we'll see you next time. Thank you.